If you would, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke chapter 4, and we just had reading from there, so you're familiar with it. While you're turning, a lion met a tiger, so he drank beside the pool. Said the tiger, please tell me why you're roaring like a fool. That's not foolishness, said the lion with a twinkle in his eyes. I'm called the king of beasts because I advertise. A rabbit heard them talking, ran home like a streak. He thought he'd try the lion's plan, but his roar was just a squeak. A fox came to investigate, had lunch in the woods. The moral is, when you advertise, be sure you got the goods. That's why I tell people I'm just a dumb old Kentucky boy that ain't so very smart. And when I talk, I get mixed up. My gears are hard to start. It seems I don't have many brains like other folks I know. When it comes to society, my dumbness, there I show. But I find it don't take brains, my friend. The best in life to gain is not your wealth or what you are, prestige you might obtain. It only takes just simple faith, eternal life to find. No matter who or where you stand, there's grace for all mankind. I went down to the jailhouse once to witness for the Lord. I told them how the Lord saved me. They sure looked mighty bored. They nudged each other and they smiled. They thought that I was dumb. But they stayed in and I walked out when leaving time had come. So I'm still just a dumb old Kentucky boy and I hope I'll always be just smart enough to trust the Lord for all eternity. So I'll just keep traveling on. A few brains are not real smart. I'm just a dumb old Kentucky boy with Jesus in my heart. Anybody here tonight from Kentucky and you'll admit it in public? Oh, <laughs> me too. Good. God bless you. Now, uh, you don't know me and, and I don't know you, so uh, my name is Don. And uh, hopefully by the time we leave here, we'll at least be civil to each other. <laughs> uh, God bless Beacon Baptist Church. Uh, Pastor mentioned it had been about 11 years since we had seen each other. And uh, first of all, that's too long. Uh, there's nothing I wouldn't do for Brother Blaylock, nothing he wouldn't do for me. So for these laughing years, 11 years, we've been doing nothing for each other. <laughs> and that's to my chagrin. And I wish that we would have had a lot closer fellowship. And uh, when I was coming, the last time I was over here, you had a neighbor who was giving you fits about building on this property. But I see you all won. And uh, we always do. In Christ, he always causeth us to triumph. Now, I have four jubilees in my life. In the Bible, the year of jubilee was something that happened every 15 years. And every 50 years at the year of jubilee, wonderful things happened. Well, the four jubilees in my life, meaning something regarding 50 years. First of all, I am more than 50 years old. Jubilee one. And then I have been saved more than 50 years. Jubilee 2. And then I have been preaching more than 50 years. Jubilee 3. And then I have been married, and my wife is sitting right here next to Myth Faith. And uh, she and I have been married on August the 1st. It was 58 years. It's not a record, but it's certainly above average. <laughs> and that would be Jubilee 4. And uh, after we'd been married at least 58 years, she came to me uh, on that day, and she said, Hun, I have kept a secret from you all these years. I said, well, what is it? She said, well, I don't want to tell you, but it's in this little box. And I said, well, honey, what's in the box? She said, I don't want you to know, and I, I don't want you to go looking at it. Well, you know, what's the husband supposed to do? Uh, okay. So uh, it wasn't long after that she had gone shopping with one of our kids, and while they were away, I'm around the house doing whatever guys do around the house, and I came across that box. Now, my first thought was, am I going to look? And I think that was my second thought, too. <laughs> so I said, yes, I am. And so I opened that box up, and it was the craziest thing. In that box, there were six eggs, 
and $800 in cash. I'm thinking, what kind of secret is that? Now, you'll be surprised to know I closed it back up and put it right where it was. Now, my second dilemma was, when she comes home, am I going to tell her? Being the kind of guy that I am, I said, yeah, I'm going to tell her. So she came. I said, now, honey, I wasn't looking for that box. You didn't, you didn't look at it. I said, well, I did. But I'm really surprised. You know, six eggs, $800, what's it mean? She said, Don, when we got married and you started preaching, I decided that every time you preached a bad sermon, I was going to put an egg in the box. Well, even a dumb old Kentucky boy, 58 years, six eggs, that's not bad. And I said, well, hon, what's the $800? She said, well, every time I got a dozen, I sold them. (laughs) Now, that'll pop your bubble. I brought my phone up here. Uh, For the longest time, I thought this was an i5 Apple phone, and I was in T-Mobile thinking about upgrading maybe to an (laughs) 8. I think they're on number 14 or so now. And uh, he said, well, what kind of you got? I said, I got a 5. I showed, he said, that's a 7. I said, that's a 5. He said, that's a 7. But anyway, the reason I brought it here, sometimes when I go into church, they don't have a clock that I can see. Now, I do see your, yours back there. It's a good, good size numbers. And uh, so usually I find out when they normally quit, and I set it for just a few minutes before I want to be quit through. And, um, but you already have one. I heard about this guy. He was in a restaurant. Everybody had a cell phone but him. And all of a sudden he went, hello? Yeah, sure, sure. And the waitress said, you're silly. You don't have a cell phone. He said, no, no, no. I work for the CIA. I have chips in my nails. She said, get out of here. Well, the old boy, he went into the bathroom. He came out of the bathroom. He had a stream of toilet paper hanging on the back of his pants. And she said, some Mr. CIA man, look at that paper hanging on the back of your pants. He said, oh, I'm receiving a fax. Is everybody okay still? I'm cognizant of the time. I just can't read numbers. (laughs) I'm just kidding. What a blessing it is to be at Beacon Baptist Church. And uh, I'm always glad anybody shows up. Thank you for showing up tonight. And uh, I hope you'll feel that it was worth your while, that we've sung good songs, and the young lady played a great number for the uh, special on, on he's everything and he is everything. You know, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, and uh, ye are complete in Christ. That means you have everything in Christ because he's everything. You have everything you need in Jesus Christ. The Bible says he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If you have everything in the world but you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. If you have nothing in the world but you have Jesus, you have everything that you need. Isn't that a great verse? He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. All single-syllable words. There's another verse in the Bible. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Every word is a single-syllable word. Those are two great verses, and they're pretty simple that most all of us could handle those verses. Now, in the book of Luke that you've turned to, it's a great story that happened in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've already read the text, so before we get into the message, may I give you quick, three quick facts about God? They're taken out of Psalm 100. You know, Psalm 100, the last verse will give you three quick facts. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all your lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. 
Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the, These are the three quick facts. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And would you pray with me and for me, please? Father, for the next few moments... Would you speak to our hearts? And Lord, as we try to challenge people about opening the book, would you just help us? Lord, may you keep your hand on Pastor Blaylock and the ministry that you have given him here at Beacon Baptist Church. And may you continue to do great things here in Jupiter, Florida. In Jesus' name, amen. There are two times in the life of Jesus when he opened the book. One was just read to you. He opened the book, and he found the place where it was written, and he read the passage from Isaiah 61. The second time is in the book of the Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, chapter 5. There's a book. Someone found a book. And uh, the question was asked, who's worthy to open the book? And they searched, and they couldn't find anybody worthy to open the book. And the man who was asking the question said he cried because there was found nobody to worthy to open the book. And then he was told, weep not. For the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to open the book. And the lion of the tribe of Judah was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And he opened that book. Now that book is a book of judgment, probably the book of the Revelation. The book that he opened here in Isaiah, and especially the passage that he read from, is a book of grace. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And to the brokenhearted, and to preach deliverance to the captives, and to the blind, and to the bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What a gracious thought. Jesus has gone into his boyhood town. Uh, he goes into the town called Nazareth. Nazareth is famous because Jesus was raised there. He wasn't born there, he was born in Bethlehem. And then he went to Egypt. Joseph took Mary and Jesus down there because somebody wanted to kill him. And uh, when that person died, he came back and he settled in Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is not, especially at that time, was not a large town. It's sort of down at the end of the Valley of Jezreel where the Battle of Armageddon will be found. Jesus, as a little boy, looking down that way, he could see where uh, the, big, the Battle of Battle, the mother of all battles will take place in the Valley of Jezreel, the Battle of Armageddon. And uh, that town was just a little small town, and it didn't have a good reputation. It was on a trade route. A lot of sin things took place there. And they asked the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Well, Mary came out of Nazareth. Joseph came out of Nazareth. I think those are two good things. And Jesus was raised there. Jesus, being raised in Nazareth, made Nazareth look good. Every town has what they call the other side of the tracks. Now, that would not be true back before they had railroad tracks and railroad trains. There wouldn't be any other side of the tracks. But my town, Winchester, Kentucky, had railroad tracks. I didn't necessarily live on the other side of the tracks, but I lived close to them. And uh, I'm just glad that, that God found this Kentucky boy. I was 19 years old serving in the United States Navy. I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He changed my life. I would want, if I had my choice in druthers, I would like to have Winchester uh, be proud of one of, their, one of their sons, Don Strange. 
I'm sure I have not always lived. If they knew what I was doing, I'm glad that when we get saved, God forgives us all of our sins. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Aren't you glad that's true? I've told our people at Winkler Road Baptist Church that had the privilege of passing for about 35 years. There's people sitting in that church and probably here tonight that if we knew each other before we got saved, we probably wouldn't even like each other. You know, most all of us are glad that our thoughts are not pr- uh, printed on a screen behind us. We're glad that the Lord, when he wipes the slate clean, it's clean. And uh, we've been cleansed from all of our sin. Jesus was raised in that town. And uh, that was the place of his birth. And the Bible said that he was raised up there. He was raised there by, the Bible called them his parents. Though Mary was his mother, Joseph was his uh, stepfather. His father was our heavenly father. But God entrusted Joseph to be the man in the life of Jesus. To take care of him when he was a little baby. For example, when he went down into Egypt because they wanted to kill him. And uh, he was raised there. And the Bible said that the child grew in Luke chapter 2. And uh, he was full of wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. And in Luke 2.52, this is a great verse. Every young person ought to get familiar with this verse, but not just young people. And Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. All of us ought to be interested in increasing, growing in wisdom, which is to know what to do and when to do it from God's perspective. And stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus was what you would call a well-rounded square. He increased. And then he had a custom, his habit. You know what his habit was? The Bible says he went into the synagogue as his custom was. Now, something that is his custom, it's his habit. This is what he did. He did this so off. He did this repeatedly that it was like habitual. When it was, we would say, church time. When it was church time, Jesus went to church. I cannot tell you how important the church has been in my life. The church has been so important in my life. And the Bible has been very important in my life. Those two things, other than the fact of Jesus Christ as my Savior, have been instrumental in if if I'm anything or become anything or do anything, it will be because of a good church and because of, of the good word of God. And Jesus had a custom. He went into church. I hope that's your custom. Now, it's like preaching to the choir tonight because this is Sunday night and you're in church. And... Uh, and you're to be commended for being in church. Uh, the church service that you miss may be the very one you need the most. So uh, when that's your habit, when that's your custom to be in the house of God. Now, while Jesus is there, he stood up for to read. And when he stood up, this was the custom in synagogues. It was the place where Jewish people, there had to be at least 10 Jewish men there to have a synagogue. They would go down there and they would read the scriptures. They would pray. They would fellowship. They would do things like we do when we go to church. And Jesus stood up for to read. And the Bible says that somebody handed him the book. It was the book of Isaiah. We normally say Isaiah. And it was chapter 61 when he opened the book to that chapter. And if you go back to Isaiah 61, verses 1, 2, and 3, you can read 
what the Old Testament said about this particular passage of Scripture. He opened the book and found the place where it was written. Jesus' habit was to open the book often. He was a man of the book. Sometimes people say, you know, I just don't have time to read the Bible. If you don't have time to read the Bible, you're doing something you ought not to be doing. You need to take time to read the Bible. Jesus is going to ask all of us someday, did you never read? Did you never read? Didn't you read that? Didn't you ever read that? He has given us the book. And you open the book so you can find the place that is written. You open the book to build your faith. You know, the Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, our brother read this text to us a while ago, and your pastor preaches the Bible to you. And you go to Sunday school, and in this church, when they go to Sunday school, they hear from the Bible, God's word. And it is in this book that you learn how to develop your faith. Your faith grows. You don't get faith by saying, ooh, Lord, I just wish I had more faith. You don't pray to get more faith. You get in the Bible to get more faith. And when you read and you say, that's how God works. That's what God did in that situation. I've got a situation like that. Since I've seen in the Bible, that's what God does. Maybe God will do that for me. And God is no respecter of persons. You think, well, God might do that for Pastor Blaylock, but he wouldn't do that for me. The truth is, uh, Brother Blaylock or Brother Strange or anybody else, we don't have a corner on God. Everybody is as close to God as they choose to be. The Bible says you draw nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to you. You want to be close to God, just draw nigh. You take a step toward him, he'll take a step toward you. That's how you build your faith. You know, the Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That bothered me for a long time. I, I couldn't really grasp it. Faith is the substance. Now, that's substance. Evidence. You know, they present evidence in a court of law. And the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen as yet. I have a preacher friend who was number 16 kid. And his dad and mom lived on a farm and uh, helped the dad with the farm. He hired a couple of workers. And so mom would feed everybody. And she would have a big chicken dinner for everybody. He said, now when you're number 16 kid, all you got was chicken soup. That's all that's left, chicken soup. But he said, one day that occurred to me, that chicken soup is substance that there was a chicken. And when everybody got through eating and there was a platter of empty bones, chicken bones on that platter, he said, that's the evidence of things not seen as yet. Now I can understand that. Substance, evidence, faith is the evidence. It's the substance, it's the evidence of things. You, you learn that when you open the Bible. My life's verse is Psalm 119, 161, 162. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice in thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I do not use the word awesome very often. I've told our church for years, I just don't use that word awesome. It ought to be used on special occasions. Now, there, are, there is a time that I use the word awesome. I had the privilege a number of years ago to go out to the Grand Canyon. And uh, after hiking it one time from the top to the bottom, back to the top, same day, I was sort of hooked. My wife is sitting here. She would verify this. I used to go out every year to hike the canyon. And it was always the toughest thing I ever did. 
But the first time you go, it's a national park. You come up to the gate. Now, if you're a certain age, you can buy a golden pass. I happen to be that certain age at the time. And so for about 10 bucks, you can get this pass that you can go to any national park without charge anymore. So I bought one of those golden passports. Well, you pay, your, you pay to get in, and you're riding along. For about five miles, it looks like South Georgia. Scrub pine. And you think, well, where's the canyon? And all of a sudden, this is, was my experience. When you get out to what they call Ma- uh, Mathers Point, now they've changed it in the last few years and made it more than just a parking place. It used to be just a parking place. But what you did was you just followed the crowd. People were getting out of the cars and they were walking over. And this is the way they walked over. This is the way I walked over. You just sort of walk over there and all of a sudden you go, because oh. you have never seen a hole like that hole. <laughs> I mean, that hole, if you went straight across to the other side, it's 18 miles over there. If you went out into the middle and dropped a pebble, a rock, it would fall to a mile over the Colorado And this canyon is 300 plus miles long. You have never seen a hole like this hole. Now, Faith Jensen, her dad actually inspired me to want to go when he described the first time he saw it. And he has been out there, as I've been out there, if you've been out there, you understand. You look at the Grand Canyon, it'll take your breath away. It's awesome. Everybody understand where I am right now? When you see it, awesome is like, (gasps) now what I just did was, I had an inrush of air. (gasps) Wouldn't it be amazing? Let me tell you how we could have revival in this country. Whether it's Jupiter or Fort Myers or Kentucky or Tennessee or Pahokee or wherever. If we could... When we come to the Bible and say, this is my Bible. <gasps> Pastor Blaylock says, would you turn in your Bibles to such and such? <gasps> but here's what most of us do. Well, most would be hard to prove. Let me just say it. Some people do this. If you can find one or two, you can prove some. But in the average church, if, if somebody said, I want you to turn in your Bible today to John 3.16, people would go, <sighs> You know why? Because they think they know John 3, 6. They know, they know everything about John 3, 16. Now they don't, but they think they do. Do you see the difference between <gasps> and <sighs> you see the difference? We could have revival if we would go f- from <sighs> to <gasps> the Bible. You know, the Bible says in Psalm 44, verse 8, that all the inhabitants of the earth stand in <gasps> of him. David has said in my text verse, that my life verse is, my heart standeth in of thy word. Jesus opened the book. And he found the place where it was written. By the way, young people, did you know that your friends will be determined by you opening the book? You can learn enough in Proverbs to know the kind of person that you should or should not date. The Bible says, with a furious man thou shalt not go. Uh, young ladies, if some guy gets interested in you, wants to date you, and he's known to kick walls and pull animals apart and just a tempered guy, don't even consider that. He's a, that's a furious man. Don't, don't go with him. How practical the Bible is. Your friends, your, your future will depend on opening this book. There are only two places, heaven or hell. 
You don't have to do anything to go to hell, but you do have to receive Jesus Christ to go to heaven. And you learn that out of the Bible. We just talked about it a while ago. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Have you thought about your Bible? If you knew you could never get another Bible, what would you take for the one you have? In my right mind, I want to say mine's not for sale. This book changed my life. This book will change your life. This book will change anybody's life who will read it and believe it. Now, if you don't read it, it's not going to change you. And if you read it but don't believe it, it's not going to change you. This book is alive. Jesus opened the book. And then he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In the life of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 3, or Luke chapter 3, he went down to the river. John the Baptist was baptizing. And John the Baptist was baptizing people, and Jesus stood in line to be baptized. And John the Baptist said, no, no, you need to baptize me. And he said, suffer to be so now, you baptize me. And he baptized him. And when he baptized him, John said, I looked up and I saw the Spirit of God like a dove descending from heaven and lighting upon Jesus. And then he said there was this voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Do you know if you want the Spirit of God in your life, you just have to be one of his children? You have to be born again. And then if you want his fullness in your life, you have to do those things that please him. You have to make sure your sins are confessed. You are yielded to him. You have no plans to go sin. You just want to please him. Jesus said, I do always those things that please him. Sometimes, most of us, we do some things that please him. Jesus did it all the time. And the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he found that. And so Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, Luke 4 starts off with, Jesus was full of the Holy Ghost and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Imagine, the Spirit of God took him to the wilderness to be tempted. And he did not submit to those temptations. You know, there's lots of sins, but there's only three ways to sin. John said it like this. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. If you sin, you will sin either through a lust of the flesh, which is a desire to feel something that's not God's will, certainly at that time. A lust of the eyes is a desire to possess something that's not God's will, certainly at that time. And the pride of life is the desire to be someone or something that's not God's will for your life, certainly at that time. And Jesus was tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. Do you know how he did not sin? First of all, he had the Spirit of God, and he had the Word of God. Do you realize that you have the Spirit of God, and you have the Word of God? If you get tempted, do you have to yield? You don't have to. You know, when Eve was being tempted by the devil, I would remind you that the devil did not pick whatever that fruit was off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and shove it down her throat. He just talked to her, and then she saw it. 
is a tree to be desired, to make one wise. And she took it. She ate it and gave to her husband with her, and he ate it. You know, the devil can't make you sin, or he'd make you sin all the time. He can tempt you. He can make it look pretty good. And that's why people do it. They get tempted, and it looks pretty good. But you don't have to do it. If someone tempts you after church tonight to go do something wrong, you don't have to go do it. The Bible says, There hath no temptation taken use, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. You don't have to do it. And the Spirit of the Lord, He came out of that temptation, still filled with, spirit, filled with the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God was upon Him. And this is what He read in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach. When he opened that book, it was the book of Isaiah, or Isaiah. And he was familiar with that book. You know, when Jesus was tempted, when the devil, for example, said, command the stone to be made bread, Jesus didn't start with Genesis 1 and work his way through Genesis 50, Exodus 1, and through Exodus and go through the Bible. He went right to the book of Deuteronomy and he found a verse. And he commanded, he quoted a verse that uh, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You know, that's why it's good to memorize Bible verses. Uh, Bible verses that will help you in your weak points. You don't always have time to, time out, let me go get my Bible and find that. If you got a verse, for example, somebody said, let's, let's, go, get, let's go have a drink. No, no, no. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. And who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath wounds without cause? All those woe, who verses. You know, you have something that you can quote to the devil. You have the word of God. And you have the spirit of God. And Jesus found in the Bible where that was true. And he said, the spirit of the Lord, he's anointed me to preach. Now, you go to a church where you have a preacher for a pastor. You have somebody who says, thus saith the Lord, and he gives you the word of God. It is the word of God that can convict you of sin. It is to be born again by the word of God. It is to grow by the grace of God through the word of God. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. What this book will do for you when your preacher preaches this book to you. The fact that you go to a Bible-believing Baptist church, what a blessed people you are. It's so common for us, we take it for granted. There are people all over Jupiter, Florida, go to other kinds of churches. If they only knew what they could get if they were here, they'd give up what they got. But they don't know. And they just sort of think, all churches are the same. They're not. How many of you know that all churches are not the same? If you go here, you ought to thank God that you do. And the Spirit of the Lord is only because he's anointed me to preach. If you're preaching from the Bible, we'll preach on. If you're longing for revival, preach on. Preach on sin and condemnation. Preach to sinners his salvation. Preach to Christians consecration. But just preach on. Never mind if some look bored, just preach on. If your sermon's from the Lord, then preach on. Even though the devil tries to, he doesn't like it and people try to fight it, where there's wrong, the Lord can write it. So just preach on. 
If you step on someone's corns, well, preach on. Just grab the bull by the horns and preach on. Even though some doubt it and say they can live without it, if talk to God about it, then just preach on. Let not time be a restriction. Not everybody likes this verse. Let not time be a strict restriction. Just preach on. If a sinner's got conviction, then preach on. Preach on. Preach on hell, even if it's after 12. That someone might trust the Lord. So just preach on. If you go to a Bible-believing church like you have here with Pastor Blaylock, you ought to pray for this brother. That the Lord would help the word of God dwell in him richly and that he might preach thus saith the Lord. He's anointed me to preach. There's nothing like preaching. You know, there's probably maybe a hundred preachers around America that has God on them that if they were turned loose in all the public schools in America, it would produce a great revival. It would have to be somebody who thundered out a Thus saith the Lord, with God's touch on them. And their words would be like fire, and the people who respond would be like wood. But that doesn't happen all the time. Uh, people don't always get a thus saith the Lord. They don't always get somebody who's going to preach the gospel to the poor and to the brokenhearted. You know, you get a broken heart either from a lot of sin are doing things, <clears throat> things that you're ashamed of. A broken heart. This is the day of broken hearts. Broken hearts, broken homes, broken hopes, broken dreams. It's like we're a broken society. And it doesn't appear to be getting any better. The hope of America is churches like Beacon Baptist Church. You know, the, the light and the salt that people from Beacon Baptist Church can be to this community it gives this community hope. If we had Bible-believing churches all over Florida, all over America, it would give people hope. And they need hope to preach the gospel to the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives. America, the country that I love, the country that I was not drafted, I joined voluntarily to serve in the United States Navy. That's where I got saved while I was in the United States Navy. I met Governor Ron DeSantis in Washington, D.C. a few years ago when he was still a congressman. I was up there on uh, Capital Connection where we had preachers from all over America. We went into every senator and every congressman's uh, office and gave them a gift that met the, the code of, of ethics and uh, told them that we we're not there to ask them for anything, just one uh, other than a prayer request, but wanted to give them a gift and tell them we love them and we're praying for them. I had the privilege of going in to Ron DeSantis' office. And uh, he was sitting there and I said, Congressman, you and I have something in common. He said, well, what's that? I said, we were both in the Navy. I said, but you were an officer and I was just an enlisted guy. But sir... The best thing ever happened to me happened to me while I was in the Navy. He said, well, what was that? Well, what an opportunity that was. And I told him how that I, I heard a cook. Everybody's got to eat, go through the child line. He'd witness to me. I heard about the gospel. And on May the 7th, 1962, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, I didn't press the point with him. I just gave him the testimony. And uh, he thanked me for it. But at least I got to say something to him. And I personally thank God for Ron DeSantis. He was a lifesaver for Lee County. He had trucks over there before that storm hit. 
We got our electricity back in record time. They built a road over there going over the Pine Island in just two or three days. Unbelievable, unheard of. Ron DeSantis did that. And you ought to pray for Ron DeSantis. I, I pray for a number of government leaders, but not for the same, not in the same way. Uh, like this Tom Malone, he said, you know, I pray for all preachers. He said, some of them I pray they quit. Now, not meaning, <laughs> not meaning they get out of the ministry, but just quit preaching. I hope you had not got to that yet point yet because we're not, we're, not at the, we're not at the hour yet, but we're getting close. Give you a little hope. But to preach deliverance to the captives. Uh, we are a nation of addictions in this country. We have so many addictions going on in our country and so much meanness anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Christ, almost anti-people. You always wonder, are, are we beyond the tipping point? You know, a, a ship, when it gets to rocking, and uh, if it rolls over, there is a point called the tipping point when it's not going to come back up. I was talking to a guy one day who was in the military, he was in the Navy, and he said one day I was on a ship, we were in a storm, and it was rocking like this, and he said the ship was on, and it went the tipping point. But before it could keep on going, a huge wave pushed it back upright. I thought, man, that would have been something to be in there with the tipping point. Uh, some people think maybe we're beyond the tipping point in America. We love this country, and we pray for it. But I told Winkler Old Baptist Church, we've got so many problems right now. But I want you to know our problems, our problems are not our problem. You know, we think our problem is inflation, high gas prices, and, and uh, this and this and that, and bad government and so forth. That's not our problem. Our problem is what caused our problem. We have forgotten God. And God said, you forget me, I'll forget you. And the book of Hosea said, I'll forget your children. Look where we are in America tonight. Democrats and Republicans together cannot solve these problems. They're too entrenched. Only the Lord can solve our problems. And the Bible says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's our hope. Did you know the very next verse of that chapter? The very next verse. God said, my eye is open and my ear is intent. It's like I'm listening, I'm looking, I'm Some people may do it and they could have revival. But he said, I've come to preach deliverance to the captives and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus opened the book. I want to give a testimony as to what the book has done in my life. It has changed my life. I have a preacher friend who worked his way through Bible college as a prison guard. And he said in his own words, he said, one night I was going through, he said, what they called old dorm. Now, I remember back when they called him prison cells. And uh, he said he was going through old dorm. It was a prison. And he said he was checking to make sure everything was okay before they sort of turned the lights out for the night. And he came across in one cell an elderly gentleman. He was sitting on the edge of his bed and he had an open Thompson chain reference Bible in his lap. He said, I walked in, and I'm always looking for new ways to talk to people. 
when he got the job as a prison guard, they knew he was a, a young preacher boy. And they said, now, sir, you cannot take your Bible into the prison and preach to those guys. If they ask you a question, you can talk to them. You can quote Bible, Bible verses, but you can't go get your Bible and do that. So, okay, so he memorized a lot of verses. And he was always looking for new ways to talk to people. So when he saw that man sitting there reading that Bible, he walked in and he said, uh, Understandest thou what thou readest? Now, how many of you remember that verse in the Bible? It's in the book of Acts. And this man looked up at the, what he called preacher man. That's what everybody called him, preacher man. He said, yes, preacher man, I'm afraid I do. But sometimes I wish I didn't. And he told this story. He said, I was an independent fundamental Baptist preacher. I pastored a church. I had a nice family. But something happened in my life. And he said, I lost my testimony. I lost my ministry. I lost my family. And then I lost my life. Here I'm sitting in this prison cell. And he said, you know, preacher man, I remember when it all started. He said, preacher man, I understand that you have an opportunity to go around the country speaking to a lot of young people. Yes, I do. He said, I'm going to tell you my story. And you have my permission, he told him, to tell my story. And use it ever how you wish. And he told him his story. And my friend, he said, God gave me a sermon on this man. And he said, and I wrote a poem to go along with his story. And he called the poem, I Put My Bible Down. And here's what he said. There was a man of God who sat in a prison cell. He had preached the word of God. Everyone had known him well. Now he sits with his head bowed. He hardly makes a sound because one day he decided to put his Bible down. His cellmates, they all wondered why did prison he did go. If he had done his best for Jesus, why is his head so low? They asked, why are you here, Christian? As they gathered around, the man then told this story. I put my Bible down. I thought that it was harmless to skip a day or two of reading my devotions. I had other things to do. Then my new nature grew weak and the devil came to town and I could not win the battle because I'd put my Bible down. I did not know how to fight him. I did not know what to say for I had not read God's word or took the time to pray. Oh, I went on serving Jesus. How godly I did look, but I did not have the power that comes from God's dear book. So now I sit in prison, an inmate just like you. My reputation is all ruined. My preaching days are through. That is why I hang my head and my face wears a frown, because I regret that day I put my Bible down. Oh, Christian, hear the message. From this man's prison cell, there are children who need a leader. There are sinners going to hell. There are blessings to obtain. We must win the victor's crown May you never have to say the words, I put my Bible down. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and stand to your feet, please? And Jesus opened the book, and he found the place where it was written. Do you have a a daily habit 
of reading the Bible. Remember, Jesus said it on a number of occasions. Have you never read? Have you never read? It's a trite saying, but it's true. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. You have a Bible. Open it. Read it. Believe it. Ask the Lord to help you to live it. Do you have a daily habit of reading the Bible? Someone said consistency is a rare jewel to be found in anybody's crown. But try to be as consistent. I wonder if there's someone here tonight that say, Brother Strange, I'm not in the habit of reading the Bible every day. Pastor Blaylock told me I should. And I meant to. I wonder if there's someone tonight who say, Brother Strange, if the Lord will help me. Now today is November 27. December has 31 days. Maybe you will take the challenge that if you're not in the habit of reading the Bible, something in the Bible every day, you'll take the challenge. I'm not asking you to sign your life away. You'll take the challenge between now and the end of the year. You will read something in the Bible every day. I would suggest you start in Proverbs. Chapter day would be good. Or some other place just in the Bible. If you'll take that challenge... I'm going to read something in the Bible. God helping me. Every day to the end of this year. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. I wonder if there's someone here tonight say, Brother Strange, the reason I don't do that anymore, I just got backslid. I just got away from the Lord, and God's spoken to my heart tonight. I'm saved. I'm just out of fellowship with God. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up? Let me see it. Slip it up. God bless you there. Someone else? Slip your hand up. You know. Anyone else? Would there be some, I realize this is Sunday night, but is there somebody here tonight that you have not yet received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You haven't been born again. God's been dealing with your heart about that. And you just like to be remembered in prayer. I probably don't even know your name. I wouldn't call your name, but I'd just pray for you if you raised a hand. Brother Strange, would you pray for me? I'm not yet saved, but I'd like to be. Anybody? Father, in Jesus' name, may your will be done in every heart and every life. Thank you for the opportunity to be at Beacon Baptist. People listen so well tonight. May our hearts be stirred and challenged. Have your way in every life. Now, while our heads are still bowed and the instrument can play or instruments, you raised your hand that you were going to read something in the Bible for the rest of the year. Now, I'm hoping after you do that, you'll want to continue. But this will at least get you started. Would you like to come to the front and just stand here? We'll have a prayer together. The Lord will help you to do that. Or you want to come and get some things right with the Lord, would you come?
to meet us here at the front. Would you do that? God bless you. God bless you. A number of you raised your hand. You come and we'll have a prayer together and ask God to help you. Others, you need to come? Before we have that prayer, how many of you would say, Brother Strange, God spoke to my heart tonight. Would you just raise your hand? If, that, if, if he did, would you just raise your hand? God spoke to my heart tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for speaking to hearts. Only you can do that. Thank you for those who came forward. If they're going to read something in the Bible, at least for another 30-some days. Lord, we would that it would be so good for them and so rich and so enlightening and so helpful that they would continue to, to do that. Would you just help them? May you do some wonderful things at Beacon Baptist Church. Jupiter, Florida needs Beacon Baptist Church. But they need them to be at their best. And I pray you'd help them, encourage them, strengthen them. Keep your hand on Pastor and on the staff that he has here, and the people who are involved in ministry here, who work, who teach, who help, who run buses, who do what makes this church work. Keep your hand on them. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.